0: Hello, and welcome to Cherry Beckert's technology podcast. We're glad you're joining us here today. This is the third in a series of podcasts focused on how technology companies can benefit from working with the federal government. If you haven't already listened to the first two, you can check those out on this platform or wherever you listen to podcasts, or by going to cbh.com. Today we're joined by Craig Hunter and Eric Poppy, two members of Cherry Beckert's government contracting group. They'll address important matters to keep in mind and first steps to take once you've won your first contract. We hope you find the conversation helpful as you navigate working with the federal government for the first time. And now,
1: Craig and Eric.
0: Thanks, Maggie. So following on from the last two podcasts, the next logical step is, okay, so you have a government contract, now what? And to help us address some of these key topics in this area is Eric Poppy, a senior manager in Cherry Beckett's Government Contracting Services Group. So welcome, Eric. Thanks, Greg.
1: Thanks for having me today. Happy to join.
0: So, Eric, as we said, we've got a contract. We know that there's a lot of other issues and, and um, compliance matters we need to be concerned of. So, kicking right off, what should companies be be aware of and, and, and doing as they get this first government contract?
1: You know, that, that's a great question. And, and to back up a little bit, um, the GovCon consulting group that I'm part of, we help companies deal with um, working with the federal government and try to make it a little bit of a smoother transition. So, a lot of times, a lot of our clients uh, just started working with the federal government, um, and they were always on the commercial side, and they just won their first award. So, we tackle this question a lot. And the first question that we always ask is, you know, what is, what, have you fully read that contract? Um, And, people are like well yes of course we understand the statement of work we know that we need to make these widgets or provide this software um but then we always ask the follow-up question well do you really understand the reporting requirements you know who are the key players um what are some of those compliance requirements you know what is what is really the contract type and do you understand the nuances that come with that because there's a lot you know there's a lot of meat in those massive pdf documents are these contract awards um, that is more than just the statement of work deliverable you know your 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 product that you're providing to the government so uh, we really first asked like do you understand all the terms that come with doing work with the federal government because there are a lot and a lot are incorporated by reference um you know and, and to that point there's a lot of variation between the different types of contract types and you know how you accumulate costs have to report costs and then end up billing and claiming to the government
0: right you you mentioned a good point there because you know the, the contracts often on a commercial front the contracts are somewhat less intensive than under government contracting but the positive side is that it's it's very clear in terms of almost every step through the process or what each party is is bound to um, and, and what they have to do. So that, that's a positive size, albeit that they are enormous contracts and, and take a long time to work through.
1: True. Yep. Um, a lot of them are, uh, you know, total, it could be two, three, four, five year contracts. You know, government's perspective is this is taxpayer money, um, so all costs need to be reasonable, allocable and allowable. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of meat behind those terms so there's a lot of scrutiny that comes with this but you know you know people like working with the government because they it's the largest buyer uh and they always pay on time
0: yeah and eric you mentioned that there's three different sort of types of contracts each of them each of which we're going to go into a bit more detail in terms of the the requirements does would a company have any ability to to alter the type of contract that is originally entered into because i think knowing that they that they have some ability to do that would be important because the type the ultimate type of contract is going to be is going to drive a lot of the the follow-on compliance work and matters.
1: That's a good point. The, you know, the contract type really does drive the level of compliance required and reporting requirements and accounting and system requirements. Um, typically, no. Typically, your your contract the contract type is more dictated in that response the solicitation proposal response stage uh, you know sometimes there is more of a hybrid contract types sometimes there is more of a discussion um, with the government but a lot of times you know what type of contract type you are getting yourself into when you're proposing developing your pricing um, your, your pricing proposal and responding to that because that pricing proposal a lot of times is incorporated in the actual contract award and that's what you have to build to so when we talk about contract types, we really think of three different main buckets. Again, there are hybrids, but you know, fixed price, which is you know, just like what it sounds. It's a fixed price for, say, a uh, hundred thousand dollars, and it's a, over a year. You divide it by 12, and that's how much you're billing. Um, there, the risk is on the contractor. If you overrun it, if you underrun it, then you have you know better margins or or worse margins. The next is TNM, Time of Materials. That is typically a labor based contract, an hourly fixed labor rate per hour that you bill. Um, and then materials are at cost. So that's a you know TNM. You have X amount of hours. You have these labor rates. You bill at those labor rates for whoever worked for those hours. Cost plus or cost reimbursable is the one that has the most um, teeth to it for contract type. There you are, the risk is on the government. Um, the idea is that you are billing at cost and then and that is pure direct uh, cost and um, and then you add on top of it your indirect costs that are associated to those direct costs, and then add fee. So you would take pure labor for um, for someone's labor category. So if you have an individual whose salary is, hundred thousand for the year without any benefits you would use that as the starting point you would then tack on their fringe their overhead gna and then fee at the end to then have a, a cost that you then you know uh, submit to the government for reimbursement
0: good so it it may be it's off often a a function of the type of work that's been done right so commercially available items software products apps that would typically be under a fixed price arrangement right whereas if if the company is is hiring people out to do certain work for the government it may be a time and materials type arrangement And for costs plus, it's I typically see where there's there's no basis to establish a a fair market value, so the government says I'm going to pay costs plus a, you know, element of of profit. Is that yeah? A
1: lot of times, those research development type um, projects or um, a little bit more um, or statement of works that are a little bit more um, fluid might be more on a cost reimbursable basis. Um, where if you have a very set, more standard statement of work, you know, you the government wants to buy these widgets, get this software as a service, get these very established type practices, that's more on a fixed price. A lot of our tech um, like IT service centers, um, data data centers, not data centers, um, you know, call centers, those types of things a lot of times are on an hourly basis. Um, but you could, it, it really just depends on what the agency needs, what the mission of that agency is, um, and that can really drive that contract type.
0: Right. So, when, when companies are hearing these contract types for the first time, which of the types are those that are going to be relate to more compliance matters and, and a little bit more difficult to administer?
1: That's a great question. So, um, fixed price is really the easier side uh so there really is not as much of a compliance worry there Um, a lot of companies like fixed price tnm and cost plus or cost reimbursable is where there's more teeth more compliance so there's a lot of companies that are like we're only doing fixed price work with the federal government because we don't want to deal with the compliance requirements of cost plus or tnm so cost plus and tnm you have to do additional submissions Um, you have to your accounting system has to be set up in a certain manner to handle those um to handle the collection of costs to be compliant um and it, it, it i i've used this phrase a few times just really has more teeth to it there is a little bit more of a hurdle you know the 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 nice thing with it though is that you do get reimbursed for all costs um uh, and as you grow as a government contractor some uh, the the re- requirements are still there to for that approved accounting system, but um, you know, if you're starting off in government contracting and you just won your first award, T and M and Cost Plus are the ones with the more with more compliance hoops that you got to jump through.
0: Good, thank you. So, uh, when we're looking at any of this work, a significant element of cost is labor. So, when, when companies are looking at um, in, uh, at inputting time, Eric, is there any things that they need to be aware of for um, for timekeeping?
1: yeah um so this is probably the biggest cultural hurdle that a lot of our a lot of companies that just get into government contracting have to now deal with um especially in this in in the business environment now where less and less people are recording time um timekeeping is a must if you are doing work with the federal government you have to have a you have to record time and have a timekeeping system um It is used for cost accumulation and billing, um, and allocation of costs within the accounting system from a cost plus and TNM basis. Um, And it is used even from a fixed price standpoint, Um, it's supposed to be, it, it is the backbone that the government sees as the basis for estimates to be created in the future. So timekeeping is like the one thing that you really can't get out of if you are working with the government. Um, companies sometimes will even set up different divisions or segments to try to silo off the timekeeping group if they if they have a culture of not recording time. And this is supposed to be recorded typically on a daily basis. Um, it needs to be kept accurate, and it needs to be for indirect folks as well. So even your project management group, your BD group, your sales, your HR, your recruiting, legal, you know, and general administrative costs, they have to do timekeeping too so because that feeds your indirects um, your indirect rates so it's timekeeping is probably the biggest thing that we talk to companies about of like yeah this is the pill you have to swallow you need to record time you know managers need to approve it you should have proper controls in place of if there's notification for changes it's probably one of the biggest um, areas of risk from the government's eyes
0: Right. And we see there's a lot of timekeeping systems out there that make it easier for for companies with built in controls and levels of approval um, and those that can read and, and sync well with the with the general ledger accounting system. So yeah. um, so it's it's certainly positive from, from that front. So Eric, you mentioned accounting systems and I think that's where we need to 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 stop today because accounting systems will be a significant part of our next Um, next podcast, and that's going to be a significant uh, piece all all on on itself. So, in in wrapping up, it seems like there's a lot of factors that that companies need to be aware of, but certainly nothing that they cannot... Um, move through with, with some good advice and some good um, support around them. So, Eric, uh, thank you so much. Eric can be contacted at epoppy at cbh.com. And like I said, our next topic is going to be focused on staying compliant with the government, um, with accounting systems. As we know, dealing with the government is not a once-off, um, as the contracts could span a number of years. So it's really staying compliant during that time. Uh, But remember, too, during that time, you know, revenue is coming in in multi years
1: as well. So I look forward to talking with you then. Thanks, everyone.